Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters. It's just certain things. We got to get to the root of it all. Some things we hear among the body of Christ are not scriptural at all. It sounds holy It sounds righteous, but a lot of what we hear called Christianese is not found in the Bible. Christianity as a religion has taken on many proverbs, precepts, teachings, and dogma that were never stated by God. Before we get into what we're going to be talking about today, let's state some biblical truths and get a firm foundation. Listen, receiving the death sentence for a crime will will sound to many people like a nightmare. Before coming to Christ, we were all sentenced to death. Being found guilty before a holy God is even more terrifying than any sentence from man's court. But God, in his grace and mercy has made a way for sinful people to be free of the penalty of sin. This comes through what is called justification. What is justification? Well, justification is a legal declaration from God that you are innocent 
of sin. Instead, you are made right before him. God the judge grants you freedom instead of a death sentence, aka the lake of fire. Even though your actions deserve every bit of that death sentence, but God is merciful and he is just and he is holy and righteous. The idea of being made free of sin and standing blamelessly before God is comforting and hopeful. The definition of justification is the but is the best place to start. But learning how justification takes place is where we find the greatest hope. Beloved, I'm painting us a biblical firm foundation. The good news, the good news is it is not about working off your debt to God. So, how does justification work? Well, we know from the Bible, justification comes from God. It is an amazing blessing available to all people. The Bible, the Bible shows us very clearly how anyone can be justified by God himself. So you may ask, how does one become justified? Well, you can become justified by believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you trust in him, you will receive his righteousness. Christ Jesus will cover your sin with his righteousness. All your impurity will be made perfect through Christ because he lived a sinless, blameless life. Salvation comes through repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible describes this as though God clothes us with his own perfection, hiding our imperfection so we can live in harmony with him once more. The Bible says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, Amen. Isaiah 61.10. Amen. Scripture also says, Since then 
you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. <clears throat> where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. Colossians 3.14. Amen. So, my friend, when the Lord Jesus Christ died, he died for the sin of every person. God knew we could not pay the penalty for our sin. No amount of effort on our part would ever clear the debt we owed to God. So Christ Jesus paid that debt himself. But it is crucial to understand that he did not just cancel the debt. He actually paid it. Yes, God the Father allowed his son Jesus to die the death we deserve, clearing the debt owed to him. God's justice demanded payment for sin. Mm -hmm. God paid the ultimate price by allowing his only begotten son to die in our place. Christ Jesus satisfies the requirements of his holy law. That is why the Bible says he is the propitiation for our sins. So now, when people repent and put their faith in God and make him the Lord of their lives, they are given justification or freedom from the guilt of sin. We walk free because Christ Jesus took the death penalty for us. This is the message that we refer to as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is good news that God has revealed a righteousness that sinners steeped in sin and trespasses can be made right with holy God once again through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant of the Lord, who was called to be an apostle, wrote many of the books in the New Testament, which is part of the Bible written after Jesus' ministry. This we know. In the book of Romans, I love Romans, 
Paul writes about justification. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 3, 23. Romans 3, 23. It's because of Jesus' death on the cross that God has wiped clean the penalty of sin. Instead, he has given righteousness to those who trust in Christ, known as Christians, or more precisely, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this sense, Christians are simply people willing to accept this gift from God rather than continue trying to make themselves righteous by their own efforts to be moral. Christ Jesus, the only perfect human in history, did for all humanity what no one else could do. He took our guilt and instead gave us freedom. Amen. Paul writes in Galatians 2.16, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ. Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Amen. And Paul makes it clear. You will not be justified by any work or anything you can do to make yourself better. No one is capable of being good enough to to gain justification on their own. But you can be completely justified when Jesus takes your sin and sin penalty away from you, granting us his righteousness instead. Amen. Amen. So, with that being said, what we talking about today? Well, we talking about a statement. What statement? This statement. God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Well, Who came up with that? God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Oh, beloved, listen, you know how you can hear a lie repeated so often and by so many people that you actually think that what you heard is true when in fact, You're not quite sure who coined 
that phrase. But you have heard it enough to think that it is actually a thing. Listen, that quote did not come from God. Now, I know it sounds like something he would say. After all, we know God is love. This quote actually came from an antichrist named Mahatma Gandhi, who seems to have borrowed it from a Catholic bishop. This quote right here, the world, and I'm talking about the Christ-rejecting world, they ran with it. Not only did they run with it, but the apostate church ran with it, and most believers in Christ actually thought this was something that God actually said. Like I said, it sounds like it can be true because, again, we know God is love, but beloved, he did not say this. To the contrary, he said the direct opposite. Now, now, that will not sit well with the one who knows they are in sin, but want the false reassurance that God loves the sinner anyway. And that, <clears throat> and that he will overlook their sin and allow them to enter the kingdom of God. We got to get this straight, beloved. Remember what um, John tells us over here in 1 John 3, 6? Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Amen. So don't let the false teacher and a worldly religious icon, Gandhi, Mahatmas Gandhi, who worshipped false gods and idols, tell you that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. That is not biblical, nor is it scriptural. Listen, beloved, we must study the word to see, did God say that? Because listen, Gandhi was not a Christian at all. According to Wikipedia, and I'm going to put that link in the description, just a quick summary about Gandhi. It said, during his stay in South Africa, along with scriptures and, and other I guess philosophy, whatever you want to call it, ideologies. Well, he had all these texts along with some texts of Hinduism and other Indian religions. Well, Gandhi read translated texts of 
Christianity, such as the Bible, and Islam, such as the Quran. A Quaker mission in South Africa attempted to convert him to Christianity. Gandhi joined them in their prayers and debated Christian theology with them, but he was never converted. It also goes on to say about how his comparative studies of religions and interaction with scholars led him to respect all religions as well as become concerned about imperfections in all of them and frequent misinterpretations. Gandhi grew fond of Hinduism and referred to the... Now, I may chop this up, but I'm going to try to pronounce this. The Bhagavada. Now, I know I'm saying that wrong. Bhagavad Gitti. I'm going to spell it for you. I keep telling y'all, listen, American English is my native tongue. But listen, it is spelled B-H-A-G-A-V-A-D, Gita, G-I-T-A. As his spiritual dictionary and greatest single influence on his life. So there we have that, my friend. Make no mistake about it. God hates evil wickedness and evil doers. So who is an evil doer? An evil doer is a sinner who refuses to repent, who has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. God has done everything that was needed to be done for the salvaging of your soul. And he will never, never, ever accept evilness, wickedness, and those who thrive and live in it. Period. Dot. Now, I know some of y'all don't want to hear that. And those who feel pricked by it, listen, take it as an encouragement that you need to look into your life to see where the sin is. Because listen, those who have truly repented of their sins, they got the memo. God hates workers of iniquity. He hates sin and those who stay in it. Let us go to the scriptures. Proverbs 6. 16 to 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lion tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, 
a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Amen. So don't tell me God loves those who are living every bit of their lives in sin. Listen, just looking at that alone, who has eyes? Who has a tongue that speaks? Who has hands? Who has a deceitful heart and feet? A person. A person. That's the person God hates because of the above-mentioned abominations. Listen, Psalm 5.5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Amen. Psalm 11, 5. The Lord, yes, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Amen. Psalm 45, 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Amen. Jeremiah 44, 4. How be it? I sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not this abominable thing that I hate. Amen. Psalm 10.3 For the wicked boasted of his heart's desire and blessed the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. Amen. Beloved, abhor is another word for hate. Mm-hmm. Romans 1.18. Beloved, I'm giving us scripture so that we are not deceived and living in self-delusion that we can live however we want and still inherit his kingdom. We don't have to come to Christ. Why? Because I'm such a good person. No. These scriptures, and I'm only giving us just a few of them, that shows clearly that God loves the righteous and hates the wicked. Now, I know it sounds spiritual and deep, to say that a loving God who gave us John 3.16 will just somehow accept everyone into his kingdom because he's so loving and we don't have to be. Now, I know 
in the world, there's a fake Jesus and a false God being taught among the masses who refuses to repent, who refuses to come away from self, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and be obedient. For them, what we talking about today is false teaching. What you mean, God hates sinners? Oh, God loves everyone. Where is that said? That's why we are reading scriptures in black and white about what he said about his soul and what it hates. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Amen. Paul is saying that people suppress the truth that God's wrath it is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men but because men and women love their wickedness more and reject Jesus well they suppress this truth, the wrath of God will be upon the wicked if they do not repent. But because people by and large who has rejected Jesus Christ, they love the darkness more and therefore they suppress this biblical truth and come up with foolish ideologies about how God just loves everyone even when they are in willful sin. I need to go to Colossians. Come on. Let me let me take you all over here to Colossians 2. Let me hold on. Wait a minute. Get my phone together. We need to go to verse 8. Listen, Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble according to the tradition and musings of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 9. For in him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead dwells in bodily form completely expressing the divine essence of God and in him you have been made complete achieving spiritual stature through Christ 
and he is the head over all rule and authority over every angelic and earthly power. Amen. So don't tell me about how we can stay in willful sin. We don't need Jesus. He didn't die for our sins. He was just some historical figure, but what he did didn't impact human humanity at all. Well, we know that's not true. And then we have false religious icons like a Gandhi spewing all of this rhetoric that's coming from demons, but because it sounds so spiritual and the world had him up on some pious pedestal, it just got infiltrated into the body, this worldly statement, which is not true. Now, if you are in Christ Jesus and you are following and listening to him, yes, the father loves you. Listen, it is all about Jesus Christ. It is not about none of us. The father loves the son. He took on the penalty that was rightly due to us. He was smitten. He suffered a painful, brutal, violent, bloody death on our behalf. And if any one of us is foolish enough to reject Jesus. And if you have come to Christ and you have not put on the new man, you have not departed from iniquity, the Bible says you will lie down in a place of pain. Isaiah 50, 11. Listen, we better know the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament because there is one common thread throughout. He hates sin and he will put away anyone who continues to participate in it. That's it. So, Revelation 21, 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So, tell me again how God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin when who will be thrown in this lake of fire? He's talking about people. 
people who continue to be cowards, to be unfaithful, to be abominable, who continues to murder the adulterers and the fornicators and the homosexuals and the transgenders, all sexual immoral mortals will be thrown in this lake of fire. All liars. He's talking about people. Acts 17, 30. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things. What things? Well, if you go and you read out this chapter, Paul was giving us a tour in Athens. They were, they had all kinds of false gods, statues that these people were worshiping. They even had a statue of an unknown God just so they don't miss one. They, they made an unknown God. So Paul, he was just looking about the city and he was just shocked at the ignorance because Gentiles, these philosophers, did not know God. Oh, they they knew of many gods, but they were false gods. And so down in verse 30, he was saying, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Amen. You want to know why? Verse 31 tells us why God commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn from their evil, wicked ways. Verse 31, he has set a day, a day in which Christ Jesus who had, now I'm paraphrasing. Y'all go and look it up. He has set a day of righteous judgment. And the one whom he has appointed as judge, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus will judge the inhabited world in righteousness. That is why holy God is calling everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sins. And so about, I would say, mm, about two years ago, maybe, I did this same lesson over there on Facebook, a.k.a. the Lion's Den. That was during a season the Lord had me real heavy, heavy, heavy on Facebook. And so when I did this exact teaching exhortation over there, oh, the lukewarm Christians were coming for me. Those who are in sin, who were and I pray they have all changed, who were skating on thin ice, straddling the fence on fire for Jesus one moment, then the next, they back 
cussing out folk, stealing on jobs, sleeping around, smoking weed and cigarettes, still dressing lascivious. But then sometimes they want to be on Facebook talking about the goodness of the Lord. So when this teaching dropped, it was like, oh, no, no, no. God loves everybody. You know the whole spiel. So I pulled up some of those comments as a refresher because what was happening was that I kept having to repost follow-up comments because of all the kicking and the screaming that was going down in my comments. So the first follow-up was like, listen, first things first. We know that God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have forgiveness of our sins and everlasting life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. We must keep in mind this crucial fact. If God loves the sinner who is still stuck knee-deep in their sins, who refuses to repent and thumb their noses at God's redemption plan for mankind, who blasphemes God every chance they get, who is in willful, deliberate, outright rebellion towards a holy God, then Jesus died that horrific death for nothing. In his love, Jesus died for the sinner. He laid down his life for us so that sin will no longer have mastery over us. It is too much of a feel-good message. To think that we can get to heaven in our sins because of God's quote-unquote love for everybody. That's the essence of the false doctrine of universalism. God's word is very distinctive. He tells us up and down and all around his word the fate of both the sinner man and the one who has repented and is a new creation in Christ Jesus. We all will do well to study the Bible, God's full counsel, which lays out the consequences of the sinner who will incur God's wrath and the one who has repented and will have eternal life. Amen. And then, lo and behold, more kicking and screaming. And I'm like, these are professing Christians, believers, followers of Jesus. Instead of agreeing with the word of God, because you don't have to agree with anything I'm talking about, because all to the glory of God that I'm talking about is what Jesus is talking about. Repent or perish. So 
I did a follow-up to the follow-up because, again, more kicking and screaming. And I'm looking at these posts from two, three years ago, and I'm like, what seems to be the problem? Why are people bumping up against sound holy living? What is so bad about living clean and holy that you seem to have a problem with? You want to know what the problem is? Because your problem was my problem. I wanted Christ and the world and the pleasing of my loins all at the same time. No one is judging. No one is condemning. No one is being self-righteous. I'm telling you what I know. I played this game too. Trying to prove Jesus wrong like many are. Because he said you can't serve two masters. And we tried to prove him wrong. Trying to prove God wrong that no, I won't. I won't die if I disobey. No, I won't. And beloved, all of that is nothing but teachings of the devil. So I did a follow-up to the follow-up. So I said, y'all can't keep kicking and screaming all you want to. God loves those who are righteous and who have accepted his son's sacrifice on their behalf. If God loves the sinner who is stuck in their wickedness, are you saying they get to go to heaven too without repenting because God loves them so much? We need to wake up. God loves his saints only. He loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to save mankind. Listen, God demonstrated who he was. He is love. But if mankind rejects that, they are rejecting the only one that can save them. Sinners don't get to go to heaven because God, quote unquote, loves them. We condemn ourselves. And then I quoted Psalm 11, starting in verse 1. I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? The wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows on the bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those whose hearts are right. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But the Lord in his holy temple, the Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely. See? See, beloved? 
He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked. So tell me again how he just loves the wicked when he's over here saying how he's going to rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. Amen. And yes, Holy Spirit, this is love. Love calls for justice. So when the world say, well, God just loves everybody, that love they are talking about, it is some pseudo false compassion. God's love was hanging on the cross, dying for our sins. That's love. Fallen man wants God to love them even in their madness and rejection of Jesus Christ. Well, that's a pseudo love. That's not love. That's humanism. Because man's love loves you with strings attached. They can tell you, oh, I love you today and then kill you tomorrow. Back over here to Psalms 11, verse 7. For the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtuous will see his face. Amen. And you would think that that scripture would just put it all to bed, put it to rest. But oh, no, no. More kicking, more screaming, more twisting of the scriptures. So I had to do a follow-up to the follow-up to the follow-up. So I said, in order to provide further clarification, right? So I said, hey, everyone, if you are, because you see, the Lord had me tackle this from different angles, right? So I said, hey, everyone, if you are a new covenant born again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are not a sinner on your way to hell, although you can sin, but strive not to. Because if I recall what what was going down in the comments was the same old, same old. You're being self-righteous. Who do you think you are? You think you are Jesus. Who you think you are? Holy Spirit. We are still sinners. We all still sin. You mean to tell me you don't sin? I'm like, oh boy. So this posting came up. So I was like, listen, okay. 
Jesus made atonement for our sins. When his precious blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat of God in heaven, reconciling us back to the Father, whereby God's wrath is no longer on us. Because if I recall, the reason why I had to take them back to the cross, because some were saying they were both sinner and saints, saints who who still sin. And I'm like, well, that's an oxymoron. Either you are a sinner or a saint. You cannot be a sinning saint. And and you can't be a saint who continues to deliberately sin. Yeah. So I went on to say, how God's wrath is no longer on us. So I don't know what y'all fighting about God's love for a sinner. Jesus took our punishment and incurred God's wrath on our behalf. God had to turn away from Jesus because he had taken on our sins. That is why Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. If you are not a sinner, be grateful for God's mercy. Why are you advocating for the sinner who is on their way to hell because they refuse to repent and turn to God? The reason why you are playing the sinner's advocate is because you must be still in sin and not fully put on the new man and your guilty conscience is getting to you because I don't get it. The scriptures are very clear about what God has to say about the sinner, and he does not say sinners will inherit the kingdom of God. He has pushed them away. We don't know how much clearer can we make that point. And then, and then lastly, a follow-up to the follow-up to that follow-up to the follow-up to the original follow-up. I left the people with Psalm 5, verses 5 to 6. The boastful shall not, excuse me, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evil doers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Amen. And just so we are clear what the word abhor means, it is to recoil from, shudder at, detest, abominate, hate, loathe, despise, dislike, disdain, regard with disgust, be unable to abide, 
feel hostility, aversion to, revile, denounce, scorn. Amen. And this is how, no, this is what the Lord does toward the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So, if we buy into the lie that holy God loves sinners so much that he turns a blind eye and they get to go into his kingdom when back at the ranch we who have repented and turned from our evil wicked ways and follow Jesus on that straight and narrow path if we think sinners still get in then we have been sufficiently deceived by the God little God who has the whole Christ-rejecting, God-denying world deceived. We, right along with them, are in the same boat. So, before I let you go, it is such a blessing that by God's grace, He has extended salvation to the one who would repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross over 2,000 years ago for the sinner who racked up and stacked up a huge sin debt that no amount of good work would have ever earned us a place of justification and right standing with the Lord. And so, some of the comments. Because, you know what, sometimes we have to see where people are coming from to try to understand why can't they understand the rudiments of the gospel. Nothing wicked, nothing evil, nothing unclean, impure will ever stand before a holy God. The problem is people, by and large, are steeped in humanism trying to serve a holy God and they will always come up short. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, back then, regarding this teaching, who was this? A brother. He said, Jesus loved the adulterous woman caught in the act. Jesus loved the thief hanging on the cross next to him. Jesus loves those while they are yet in sin. Now, beloved, if we 
had not just ran through just a few of the scriptures about how what this precious soul is saying is not true. It sounds like it ought to be true, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So my response, because see, I always have to come from the scriptures because in times past, when I was in my foolishness claiming the name, I would have agreed because I was an adulterous woman and I was a thief claiming his name. So I would have said, right on, brother, Jesus loves us anyway. But that's not the truth. So I said, I hear what you are saying, brother. But that is not what Jesus said. It makes no mention because he was talking about John 8, 11, about the woman who was caught in adultery. I hear what you are saying, brother, but that is not what Jesus says. It makes no mention about him loving her or the thief. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus loved the adulterous woman. It says that he told her to go, comma, and sin no more. It is our feelings, a.k.a. humanism. It is our feelings to say that Jesus loved her. We have to be careful how we interpret the scriptures. We must rightly divide it because otherwise, in this case, it will foster the unbiblical teaching that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. So we must not get that confused. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, right? So the implication and explanation is that we must believe in Jesus, for if not, we will perish in our sins, remaining a sinner unto death. God calls all men to repentance. Jesus took on the penalty for our sins. He died for our sins, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It doesn't say that Christ loves us and that's why he died for us. So we have to be clear about the scriptures. The highlight of Romans 5, 8 is that in God's love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That scripture does not interpret that he loves sinners because apparently that was maybe the number one scripture they kept throwing at me as a proof text. So I was like, it highlights and interprets that in his love, he did something for us. And what did he do? 
he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. But if we reject his salvation plan for the sinner, they will die in their sins. And the Bible tells us that God's wrath will be upon that person. It's it's not a scripture in the Bible that directly says that God loves the sinner. To the contrary, he says the exact opposite. And then I probably listed those scriptures that we just went over today. Yeah. And so, another person of the brethren came back and said, God, here we go, God loves the sinner. That is why he stand at the door waiting for them to welcome them. Now again, beloved, doesn't that sound so spiritually deep and, and so loving? But we cannot create a God of our own liking. That's not scriptural. It, it hints at certain things in the Bible, like how Jesus stands at the door of our hearts, knocking. But this is what happens when the scriptures get twisted and distorted and taken out of its context. So I replied back, okay. And today reading it sounds harsh, what I'm about to say. But at the moment, this is how Holy Spirit wanted this rebuke to come across. So I was like, well, okay, since you are not getting it, and I'm so sorry that you don't, I hate. I hate it that you don't, but can you show me a scripture that God, that says God loves sinners, that God loves evildoers, that God loves workers of iniquity, that God loves those who reject his son for the salvaging of their souls, that God loves sinners who are on their way to heaven. Thank you. I'll be waiting. You got to understand, when sharp rebuke comes from the Lord, it's going to cut. Because this came after many, 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 many showing of the scriptures. Because someone else said, God hates the sin, but loves. Now, that but loves is, is in all caps. But loves the sinner. And I was like, beloved, no, he does not. Gandhi said that. God tells us in his word from Genesis to Revelation that he hates evil doers, workers of iniquity, and those who do evil deeds. For them, 
for them his wrath is upon. That worldly saying somehow made its way into the body of Christ and because of false teachings and apostate pastors, we took it as if it was a scripture. We cannot be deceived. There is no scripture in the Bible that says expressly that God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. He loves the one who has repented, believes in his son who died for their sins, and turned to him in full obedience, because that person will not walk in darkness and therefore will not incur the wrath of God. Beloved, I believe enough has been said. Listen, if we are walking and living by the Holy Spirit, then we don't have to worry about incurring God's wrath. It is only when you and I think we can pull something over on the Lord. We just read up in those scriptures how he sees everyone and he will judge everyone according to what he has done. So, of course, if you are still living in sin and you hear about how God loves the sinner but hate the sin, then you will continue in your sin because you believe he still loves you nonetheless. Now, let's keep the balance in Christ. If we do sin, yes, we have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus, who makes intercessions for the saints. 1 John 1, 9 assures us that God is faithful and he is just to forgive. When we confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what a loving father does to his children. We don't despise his chastening and his discipline. Because just like in the natural, we love our children, but we will not tolerate and condone the foolishness and the madness. No, we will not. How much more so won't God discipline, rebuke his children? We're talking about his children here. So his children understands father is not playing. So we strive daily, daily to put away the flesh, kill it. We do not make provision for the flesh to get inflamed and walk in unrighteousness, knowing that we have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, this life I now live 
in the body, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. So in Christ, there is love. But if you and I continue to deliberately go on sinning, well, we are not abiding in Christ Jesus any longer. We have become broken off branches, broken off from the vine, Jesus Christ. And the vine dresser, the father, will have his reapers gather such branches, bundle them together to be thrown and burned in the fire. So, if you want to keep attaching your salvation, hitching it to false teachers, and worldly, demonic, satanic-filled religious icons, whether past or present, you're going to perish. Beloved, I'm coming to you as your sister in Christ. Come away from all sin. Live clean. Live holy. Study. Meditate. Eat the word of God, so that when the counterfeit comes, you will know to shun it. Anybody coming to you with the madness about how you can stay in your sins, once saved, always saved, and you still get to go to heaven. Meanwhile, you're still living in fornication. You're still living in idolatry. You're still an adulteress. You are, you are still smoking them cigarettes, drinking like a drunkard. You are still a liar. You're still a gossip. You are a heretic and a divider. And you mean to tell me you have quote unquote eternal security? Why? Because God never said that. The bishop told you that. The one Jesus says, to whom he will give eternal life to is the one who is truly his sheep, who listens to the shepherd, who follows the shepherd, and who obeys faithfully the shepherd, Christ Jesus. He said, to they, to them, he will give eternal life to. Therefore, no false teacher can pluck his sheep out of his hand. We better know what these scriptures are really talking about. Because otherwise, we will be led astray and deceived only to die and lift our eyes in a burning hell. Beloved, live clean, live holy, repent, produce fruit in keeping with your repentance because before you know it, 
You and I will go by the way of the grave. And if Bible prophecy, as we see it unfolding right before our eyes, I will not be surprised if this is the evil generation that will see Christ returns. Either way, may we pray always like Jesus told us to, to pray always that we be we be found accounted worthy to stand before the Son of Man, to have our names presented before the Father and his angels. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy righteous name. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, Father, Psalm 86. May this psalm of supplication and trust be forever in our hearts. This is a prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am distressed and needy. I long for your help. Protect my life, soul, for I am godly and faithful. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you, believing in you and relying on you, confidently committing everything to you. Be gracious and merciful to me, O Lord, for to you I cry out all the day long. Make your servant rejoice, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, all that I am in prayer. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive our sins, sending them away completely, letting them go forever and ever, and abundant in loving kindness, and overflowing in mercy to all those who call upon you. Hear, O Lord, my prayer, and listen attentively to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works of wonder and majesty like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and kneel down and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous works. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk and live in your truth. Direct my heart to fear your name with awe-inspired reverence and submissive wonder. I will give thanks and praise you.
O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your loving kindness and graciousness toward me, and you have rescued my life from the depths of Sheol, from death. O God, arrogant and insolent men have risen up against me. A band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God who protects and is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Grant your strength, your might, and the power to resist temptation to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign of your goodwill that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, helped and comforted me. Amen. Glory be to your name, Father. Hallelujah. Father, let it never be said among your children that you do not love us. You do love your children. But sinners, workers of iniquity, who refuses to repent, you hate. And I know this hypocritical, lukewarm society can't even imagine such a holy God as yourself. They want you to love them regardless of their willful, blatant iniquity. Thank you for taking the plank, the beam out of our eyes so that we can point out the speck that is in our brother's eye. Help us to remain faithful. We ask for more of your grace to endure until the end because Jesus said, persecution is going to come, temptation is going to come, the evil one is going to come for us. But the one who endures until the end, that man shall be saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for our salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Beloved, repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. The Bible says, be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Study 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34, we have been commanded to arise to righteousness. Amen. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God.
Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.